0: Many of you watching the debate last night might have been thinking to yourself, holy crap, my country's going down the toilet in a gigantic whirl of awful that bears an uncanny resemblance to one candidate who's a neurotic ignoramus and another who's the incarnation of evil. But let's look at it in a more positive light. Yes, it's true. Hillary Clinton came across as a robotic avatar of pure corruption, her predatory smile hiding a soulless emptiness that seeks nothing but its own profit, even at the expense of the nation that nurtured her in its bosom as a healthy organ nurses the cancer that will one day destroy it. And yes, it's likewise true that Donald Trump is so incredibly stupid that if he bumped into a wall in the Oval Office, he'd get stuck in the corner, even though the office is like an oval, and there are no corners for him to get stuck in, but it would just be like his stupidity would make a corner out of it, because his stupidity is just that enormous, and then he'd just keep bumping into the same corner again and again forever. And yes, we also have to admit that Hillary did remind us of a living pustule of infectious wickedness that seemed to have arisen like an unthinkable pimple on the nose of the George Washington face on Mount Rushmore, which then popped, releasing the pus of venality to drool down the face of our iconic president, thus symbolically transforming a nation that was once noble and beautiful into a horrific image of disease and putridity, such that everything it comes in contact with becomes little more than a reflection of its own gangrenous decadence. And okay, Trump is a third-rate bully boy without enough intelligence under his bizarre hair to allow him to find the capital of Wisconsin on a map that had the shape of Wisconsin outlined with the word Wisconsin on it and a big star in the middle with an arrow pointing at it next to the words, this is Madison, the capital of Wisconsin. And yes, Hillary is a slavering demon from the malodorous sewers of hell, flushed into the bloodstream of the country by the hand of a satanic fate that seems to mock us for our aspirations by setting before us a crone-like image of our own most reprehensible cravings for power and self-destruction. But the important thing is this. After watching the debate, I think all of us can come together as one joined by the realization that we all live in a mighty republic dreamed up by the wisest political thinkers ever to have walked the earth and handed down to us Democrats and Republicans both so that we could transform it into a reality television cage match between the most wretchedly fetid hellion on the planet and a lumbering ogre of almost unimaginable ignorance. So don't despair. Oh wait, no, despair. Despair a lot. And for a long time, then weep very loudly. Then die in a torment of remorse and self disgust. Otherwise, it was a great debate. Trigger warning I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky dunky, life is tickety boo. Birds are winging, also singing hunky dunky doo. Ship shaped ipsy topsy, roll the zippity zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hoorah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hoorah. The greatest 30 seconds on podcasting. But when are we going to get some merch? Are we going to get some merchandise to sell? Oh, yeah. It? yeah, we got to get some hurrah, hooray merchandise. No question. So we sent, we sent somebody out to discuss with the candidates last night uh, how they did. And here's his report to them.
1: What you just said
0: All right, David Harsanyi posted out on the Federalist. He wrote a piece that went, On Monday night, America witnessed one of the most worthless and certainly one of the most infantile presidential debates in its history. After listening to Donald Trump's metafictions and Hillary Clinton's manicured obfuscations, the voter is left with one question Do you prefer an idiocracy or a kleptocracy? <laughs> I thought that was very, very well put. All right, 2016 sucks, but, but, you do get, we will tell you who won and lost the debate. We will tell, and this is the show where the future comes to announce itself we always everything we've ever said has always turned out to be true in the long run it's absolutely true We, we will tell you who won and who lost and though 2016 sucks my book is out which is the important thing the great good thing a secular jew comes to faith in christ it's my memoir you i got a letter today i mean i've been getting a lot of these lately but i got you know just people saying you've truly changed my outlook on my faith and overall perspective of life that's right. you know yeah that's and that's the kind of reaction i've been getting you can get it for free if you would just subscribe to the website they'll send you the book for free come on it's a limited engage, you know a limited offer or whatever or just subscribe because you want to watch the show. And tomorrow is mailbag day. Yay! Woo-hoo, exactly, exactly my feelings precisely. And if you subscribe, you can send in some questions. I would love to hear your questions. And also, if you want to add some stuff you like, I always like to hear that. Sometimes I may not mention it on the show, but I actually may go back and try it. Um, what else? you got 15 minutes on Facebook and YouTube to watch us, then we cut you off like, like a wandering child who we no longer own, and you have to come to listen to the rest of it on the Daily Wire, or you can download it from iTunes or SoundCloud, but if you just would pay us your lousy eight bucks a month, you get 30 days for free, you get my book for free, and then eight bucks a month, and you can listen and watch the whole show live on the Daily Wire, right? You can see the whole thing, okay? All right. The debate. Now, here's the thing. If you're, you know, last night during the debate, somebody tweeted out, oh, you know, you can't trust Andrew Claven now that he's endorsed Donald Trump. And I thought, endorse Donald Trump? Wow, if I had been there when that happened, I'd have been really angry with me. you know. <laughs> like I, thought, I, must have, I must have missed that because I haven't endorsed anybody. I have admitted that viscerally, in you know, in my heart of hearts, I'm kind of rooting for Trump, not because I like Trump, because I despise not only Hillary, but the entire structure of the media and the permanent government, the bureaucracy that supports her and that has spewed her out like a pustule from like a, an infected sore, you know. I mean, she is just the absolute avatar and representative of that structure that I hate. So I'm kind of like the guy, I'm kind of like an aristocrat at the French Revolution sort of cheering the mob that's eventually going to guillotine me, you know? Like so I'm I'm rooting for Trump, I must admit, but I don't endorse him. I know what he is. I thought last night so if you're listening, looking for cheerleading or somebody to tell you this, what you want to hear, wrong place, obviously, as always. But what I, what I thought happened last night, we all saw the same debate. For 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, Trump was killing her. I mean, he was killing her. For half an hour, it was kind of a tussle between the two of them. And then for half an hour, she destroyed him. She killed him right back. On points, then, it was a tie. But I don't think it's going to work out as a tie. And I'll tell you that when I get to the, to the end. I think that Trump was foiled by three things. He could have become president last night. He really could have. But he was foiled by three things, I- ignorance, ideology, and neurosis. One of those things he can fix. And if he can fix the one of them, he can't fix it, but he can fix the effects of it. He can change the effects of it. If he can fix that one thing, he will kill her because he showed that he could win in the first t- 20 minutes of the debate. You know, He showed exactly what he had to do. He attacked he was on the attack, but he attacked without being grotesque and petty. He was attacking her on real stuff. She started out talking about, she was talking about uh, housing, I guess it was. it's Cut number four. Yeah.
2: Donald was one of the people who rooted for the housing crisis. He said back in 2006, gee, I, I hope it does collapse because then I can go in and buy some and make some money. Well, it did collapse. That's
1: called nine, business, by the way. Nine
2: million people. Nine million people lost their jobs. Five million people lost their homes. And $13 trillion in family wealth was wiped out.
0: Okay. Now, this is the ignorance. Talk to. It was ignorance, ideology, and neurosis. Okay. This is where the ignorance comes in. If Trump knew anything, which he doesn't, He would have said, yeah, you guys caused that. It was Democrat policies that caused the housing crisis. I know that doesn't get covered, but anybody with a little bit of reading could find it out. It was written about in the New York Times. It was a former newspaper, you know. I mean, it's not like they're trying to report on anything, but it was written about there. It's been written about again and again. The the policy of forcing banks to give loans to people who couldn't pay them back is what started the housing crisis. He could have nailed it on there, but he didn't. But— but, having said that, he did come back with a fairly good response. This is uh, number five.
1: And, Hillary, I just ask you this. You've been doing this for 30 years. Why are you just thinking about these solutions right now? For 30 years you've been doing it, and now you're just starting to think of solutions. Well, actually, I will bring, means- excuse me, I will bring back jobs. You can't bring back
2: jobs. Well, actually, um, I have thought about this quite a bit.
1: Yeah, for 30 years.
2: I have, uh well not quite that long I uh, I think my husband did a pretty good job in the 1990s I think a lot about what worked and how we can make it work again well he approved NAFTA. new jobs he approved a balanced NAFTA, budget which is the single worst trade incomes, deal ever approved in incomes this country. went up for everybody manufacturing jobs went up also in the 1990s if we're actually going to look at the facts well when I was Secretary of State we actually increased American exports globally 30% we increased them to China So I know how to really work to get new jobs and to get exports that help to create
1: more new jobs. Right, well, road you road. haven't done it in 30 years or 26 years. Well, any I, you I've want been a senator. You Donald, haven't done and it. And I done have done it. been a and, me, secretary of state.
2: And I have your done husband
1: signed NAFTA, which was one of the worst things that ever happened. Well, to that's the manufacturing your opinion. industry. That is your you opinion. go to New England, you go to Ohio, Pennsylvania, you go anywhere you want, Secretary Clinton, and you will see devastation.
0: So that's that's really good. That was really good stuff. And not only that, you could see in her eyes that she was starting to crack. You could see that she was gonna do that thing that Trump gets people to do, where they destroy themselves. I mean, she was right on the brink. She was right on the brink, and it, his, his best moment was when she said, when you know, they started to accuse him, both of them, because Lester Holt, Lester Holt, the uh, moderator, people have been complaining about him all day, absolutely true, he was totally unfair. He asked, he asked Trump the tough questions, fair enough, about, you know, birtherism and his tax releases. He asked Hillary nothing, nothing about the emails, nothing about all these charges of corruption, all the scandal, none of it came up. He interrupted Trump again and again. Again, there was some justification for that because Trump was a little bit more out of control than she was. She was just biding her time. But Holt was unfair. But listen, that's that's the game. We all knew that was going to happen. We all knew that was going to be a problem. It's going to continue to be a problem. He's got to be able to play in that field. His best moment was when she said Holt and she went after him for not releasing his tax returns. And he said, I'll release my tax returns when you release your emails. I think this is number seven. Maybe. Yeah,
1: I will release my tax returns against my lawyer's wishes when she releases her 33,000 emails that have been deleted. As soon as she releases them, I will release. I will release my tax returns. And that's against... My lawyers, they say, don't do it. I will tell you this. No, in fact, watching shows, uh, reading the papers, almost every lawyer says, you don't release your returns until the audit's complete. When the audit's complete, I'll do it. But I would go against them if she releases her email.
0: Now, that's what we came to see. That is what we came to see. And did, did he do no prep? Did he have nothing in his mind? We came to hear about the emails. We came to hear about how, you know, every time she attacked him on his business, he should have struck, but how did she get to be a multi-multi-millionaire? How did that happen? Pay for play, the Libya disaster, Benghazi. We never heard the word Benghazi last night. Not one time did we hear it, every single time. And I will, I will get back to that in a minute. I will get back to why that happened, because that's the neurosis part. But let's just talk about now the middle part of the debate, which I thought kind of went back and forth. Some people said that Hillary won the last hour. Some people said she won the... The middle part, I didn't think so. I thought the middle part was back and forth. And interestingly, by the way, this is just offhand. I, I went over the transcript today pretty closely. And Trump does, did a lot better in the transcript than he did on stage, which isn't going to account for anything because the, there's one person in America who's going to read the transcript. That's me. <laughs> OK, but but here was the stuff that I thought went back and forth. Here was uh, Hillary, they asked him about race, all the race riots, there's all this stuff going on in the country, and Hillary went on to talk about the problems with race, it's cut
2: 10, I think. Race remains a significant challenge in our country. Unfortunately, race still determines too much, often determines where people live, determines what kind of education in their public schools they can get, and yes, it determines how they're treated in the criminal justice system. We've just seen those two tragic examples in both Tulsa and Charlotte. And we've got to do several things at the same time. We have to restore trust between communities and the police. We have to work to make sure that our police are using the best training, the best techniques, that they're well-prepared to use force only when necessary. Everyone should be respected by the law and everyone should respect the law.
0: Okay, there was a devastating response to this that he didn't make and I will tell you about it in just a second. But first we have to say goodbye to the folks on Facebook and YouTube. Come over to the Daily Wire. Listen to the rest. It's interesting. Okay, this is the part I thought was kind of a tie. Trump's answer to Clinton was fine. This is Trump on law and order.
1: Well, first of all, Secretary Clinton doesn't want to use a couple of words, and that's law and order. And we need law and order. If we don't have it, we're not gonna have a country. And when I look at what's going on in Charlotte, a city I love, a city where I have investments, when I look at what's going on throughout various parts of our country, whether it's, I mean, I can just keep naming them all day long. We need law and order in our country. And I just got today uh, the, as you know, the endorsement of the fraternal order of police. We just, uh, just came in. Uh, we have endorsements from, I think, almost every police group, very, I mean, a large percentage of them in the United States. Uh, we have a situation where we have Uh, our inner cities african-americans hispanics are living in hell because it's so dangerous you walk down the street you get shot
0: okay now that that's fine that's a fine response law and order is kind of a buzzword and he used it again and again pardon me he used it again and again but We talked about the ignorance before, and one other thing I want to say about ignorance, there's some, we're all ignorant about something. We're all ignorant about a lot of stuff. For some of us, ignorance is a kind of wisdom, because if you know you're ignorant, you listen to people, you read stuff, you don't don't talk when you ought to listen. But Trump is that other kind of ignorant, (laughs) which is the worst kind of ignorant, is that he thinks he knows. You know, he thinks he's already got it. I've got this. I've got it covered. So he's really ignorant. I mean, that is a real kind of ignorance. The second thing is ideology. Why, at this point, when she is talking about how bad things are, you know, the problem with race. Why at this point doesn't he say all these cities that are having problems, Chicago, all these cities, you know, Baltimore, they're all Democrat cities, not just Democrat cities, but they've Always been Democrat cities. They've been Democrat cities so long that the one Republican sitting there is in a wheelchair going, I remember there used to be another Republican. You know, there's like there's Democrat cities for like a century. Chicago, he talked about Chicago, but he doesn't do it. He didn't do it with the, um, you know, with the um, housing crisis either. Partly because he doesn't know, but it's partly because he's a Democrat. It's partly because he doesn't realize that there is an ideology. I mean, I thought Ted Cruz must have been sitting home last night and sobbing into his soup. You know, like, I mean, because Ted Cruz knows, you know, Ted Cruz is not an appealing guy. You know, he looks like Grandpa Munster and he talks, has that, that, you know, pious way of talking. But he is smart and he knows. And Trump not only doesn't know, he doesn't know what he believes. He doesn't have an ideology that says, oh, yeah, this goes wrong in these cities because you do A, B, and C, but if you do D, E, and F, it won't go wrong anymore. I mean, this is the funny thing is even when Trump was winning, you know, talking about NAFTA, the stuff he's saying isn't true, you know, like, I mean, even though, like I said, I have this visceral desire to see him win. So I'm going, yay, but nothing you're saying is true, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of this weird uh, dysfunction. Okay, so those are, those are the two things, and he can't solve them. He can't solve his ignorance because he doesn't know he's ignorant. He thinks he knows. And he can't solve his ideology because that's his idea. You know, he's basically, you know, he's, he's basically like a big warm-hearted gangster you know people talk about it. they say well i went to trump and i was in trouble and he sent me a plane and he sent a plane into a disaster area and he put together you know he did he talked for a while about that mall in washington it was an eyesore and he turned it into a very beautiful uh, mall he did the same thing with the ice skating rink he's like a he's like a warm-hearted mobster yeah go ahead fix the ice skating rink i can do it i say you know like not believe me the workers will turn out for me you know that's who he is you know it's like don don corleone you know? he would if you had come to me for earlier he would be suffering this very day you know <laughs> <laughs> who he is, you know. So, but, but, so he doesn't, he can't fix the ideology. He can't fix the ignorance. But this is what he can fix is the neurosis. Hillary Clinton pr- did prep, which he doesn't seem to have done at all. She did prep with psychologists. And they came over and they watched the tapes just like a good football coach would watch the tapes. And they saw what he does. He has this one glitch that he does it over and over and over again. And he says himself that he can't stop. He says it himself. He says, when I'm attacked, I have to defend myself. I have to. I have no choice. Those are the words that he uses. She knows it. She did it, okay? When she would go after him on his business, you know, anything like, he, she talked about this lawsuit. I talked about the, this lawsuit very, very early on in his life, which he really was not that responsible for. But go ahead.
2: Donald started his career back in 1973, being sued by the Justice Department for racial discrimination because he would not rent apartments in one of his developments to African Americans and he made sure that the people who worked for him understood that was the policy he actually was sued twice by the Justice Department so he has a long record of engaging in racist behavior
0: okay so when you're attacked like this in a debate it's the the answer is very simple you leap over the attack and you attack back and and, and clinton is a setup is a setup. you know, i w- I was sued. You know, he says, i he could have said, I was a young man in my father's business. My father was in control. Yes, we got sued. It all worked out. But what about you? What about the stuff you did? What about when you fired all those travel workers? What about when you, you know you invested ten bucks in cattle futures and a week later had a hundred thousand dollars? you know what about that? He, he you know that's partly ignorance. He partly does no property just can't help it. Listen to his response. This is his response to the lawsuit.
1: Now, as far as the lawsuit, yes, when I was very young, I went into my father's company had a real estate company in Brooklyn and Queens. And we, along with many, many other companies throughout the country as a federal lawsuit, were sued. We settled the suit with zero, with no admission of guilt. It was very easy to do, but they sued many people. I notice you bring that up a lot, and, uh, you know, I also notice the very nasty commercials that you do on me in so many different ways, which I don't do on you. Maybe I'm trying to save the money. But frankly, I look, I look at that, and I say, isn't that amazing? Because I settled that lawsuit with no admission of guilt. But that was a lawsuit brought against many real estate firms,
0: and it's just one of those things. I mean, you know, who cares? Who cares? You know, you blow it off. He did it in the first in the first part of the debate. He was just one sentence and then go back on the attack. You could see her eyes. I'm watching her. I was watching her in that first 20 minutes. She was just about to crack. She was just about to start saying babbling, crazy stuff. You know, I could see it coming. I was waiting for it. By the end of it, when he was talking like that, she just looked like the cat that ate the canary. I mean, she just looked like I have got this now. My training kicked back in. All the prep I did came in handy. You know, she wasn't coughing. She looked fine. She looked healthy. She killed him. So. The way I scored it, like a, a ref at the side of a ring, I scored it the first round for Trump, second round was a tie, no decision, the third round for Hillary in a big way. Now, why, having said that on points, finding a tie on points, why did I think Clinton won and I think it had to do with the woman thing? Basically, she stood up to a great big bully. And he is a great big bully, but if he bullies on issues, if he bullies on substance, he can get away with it. If he bullies on petty stuff like how people look, you know, and how they act and funny traits they have and whether they make enough money, if he bullies on that stuff, then he's just a punk, you know, and I, he was a punk like that all through the Republican primaries, and people bought it which says something very bad about the Republican Party, but they bought it, okay? But he doesn't have to do that. If he can bully her on Benghazi, if she talks about Vladimir hacking, you know, how he wanted Vladimir Putin to hack emails, all he has to say is, hey, you gave Vladimir Putin your emails. or on your stupid phone. When she talks about the housing cri- crisis, he talks about Democrat policies. He can bully her on that stuff and get away with it. But he, he just stood there, a big brute of a guy, kind of, blusteringly defending himself, and she looked powerful. That made him look power, powerful. Never mind the fact that Hillary Clinton invented a war room to hunt down and intimidate the women who had been molested by her husband. Never mind that fact, because, you know— Women think of things in terms of relationships. You know, I'm sure every man who's listening has had the conversation with his wife where she says to him, you know, it's not what you're saying, it's the way you're saying it. And you say, yeah, but what I'm saying is the house is on fire and we should get out before we die. Well, you don't have to say it that way, like it's like I'm stupid or something. You just say, yeah, but the house is on fire. Now you're bullying me, you know, <laughs> but the house is on fire. Now don't yell at me. You know, I mean, every one of us has had that conversation. So when women see the personal relationship working out so that they this woman is standing up to a bully. She's going to win on this. He, she is going to get some points in the polls on this. I'm pretty sure of it. Trump has been on a roll. It may not stop his roll because what he's doing is working outside of the debates. Got another debate early October. He has a chance to come back. How does he come back? He can't fix the ignorance. He can't fix the ideology. He can't fix the neurosis, but he can fix the effects of the, the neurosis. So this is one of the things about neurosis. We all have little glitches in our personality, but you can stop doing the things that come out of them. So if you are an addictive personality, don't smoke cigarettes, don't drink coffee, don't drink alcohol, if that's the kind of problem you have. If you if you constantly go out with people who are hurting you in a certain way, learn to recognize those people. You may not be fixing your relationship with your father or your mother that's causing it, but you can stop having that effect. Steve Bannon should develop a sign, a secret sign with Trump to tell him when he is defending himself. Put his finger in his ear, tug on his nose, you know, put his finger up his nose. I don't care what he does, but Trump should be able to look around and see one of his coaches saying to him, you're doing it, go back on the attack. Attack her. Forget what you're saying about yourself. Stop defending yourself. He keeps saying it. He keeps saying, I have to do it. I have no choice. He has a choice. He's got to stop doing it. He's got to stop. And if he stops, he can win. He, we saw in the first 20 minutes, in the first – I thought it was a little longer, maybe close to 30 minutes. Yeah, I, we saw that he could win, and and uh, he blew it. He blew it, and I think it's going to cost him a couple of points in the polls. I don't think it's disastrous. Remember, um, Reagan lost the first debate. Uh, Romney destroyed Obama in the first debate. Obama lost the first debate. Uh, I, I think he can come back from it, but we'll, we will see. I will say, I will say that I went, we all went out to a bar last night and watched uh, the debate with, uh, you know, as, as friends. And uh, I walked out of there. I was truly, this was next to the, the moment when Ted Cruz left the race. This was one of the more depressing moments because I think Harsanyi and the Federalist was right. I just think they're both awful. They're both just awful, awful people. All right. Stuff I like. I've been looking at uh, network shows because I feel like it's the network premiere season and most of us who care about, like, really good TV are watching cable, and I just wanted to see if anything was on. So I watched The Exorcist. Uh, this is this new show, obviously, based on the book that was based – based on the movie that was based on the book. I I saw the original Exorcist, and it, it is – when people talk about – movies. I, I, to me, this was the big movie of its time, and it was so filthy. It was so filled with uh, you know, nudity and uh, um, blasphemy and just disgusting stuff, and yet it was the big movie. You could never make a movie like this today and make it the big movie. When I went, I, I have a long story that I won't tell about this because I actually went with an exorcist. I went. I was working in a radio station. I was a newsman, and we interviewed an exorcist, and then we all went off to the radio station, but I'll leave some of this out. Just the, what really happened was I was sitting next to one of the DJs at the station. I didn't like the movie. I'm not a big horror fan. I like ghost stories. I'm not a big, uh, I don't like, you know, watching a little girl get eaten within by a demon for two hours is not my idea of entertainment. You know? So I was kind of laughing it off. And, uh, you know, I'm not Catholic, so it didn't resonate with me at all. Toward the end, at the big climax, I look over and the DJ is Doubled over in his seat. And I thought he was laughing. I thought he just thought the whole thing was a joke. So I leaned over and I said, It's pretty funny, isn't it? And he grabbed me by my shirt front and he said, I'm hyperventilating. <laughs> It scared him so much. I picked him up, you know, put his arm over my shoulder, carried him up the aisle. And it was this enormous theater in San Francisco. And we came out through these double doors. And so, help me, it was like the battle scene in Gone with the Wind. I mean, people were lying on the floor everywhere. Women were weeping. Men had their hands, ba- you know, their face buried in their hands. This little <laughs> this little uh, theater manager was walking around with smelling salts, breaking them under people's noses. You know, pop, you know oh, my goodness, you know, they would. Them back to I mean, people were absolutely devastated. I have never seen anything like it at any kind of, like, non-actual horrific event. It was just a movie. But people were destroyed. So I thought I'd turn this on. I love scary stories. You know, it didn't do very well in the ratings. For some reason, the networks have a really hard time really scaring you. Here's a, uh, a promo for the show with Gina Davis.
1: Sometimes God gives you
0: a job to do. And when that happens, you have to drop everything and just start
2: walking. Hey, Casey, how's your sister doing?
1: She just got her cast off last week. She's a lot of fun.
2: Father, that was a lovely service. You want to talk sometime? My door is always open.
0: God, is everyone in this family allergic to light? What do you want?
1: Just call mom crying, so. That wasn't weird. You're so mean to her.
2: She only climbs up on her cross when she wants some attention. My daughter, Catherine, she's back from college. She's different. Huh? The way she talks, the way she looks at me. It's not depression. I know depression. There are things going on in the house, in my house. There are voices inside the walls. crazy person. I'm not saying you're crazy. There is something inside my house. It's a demon. A demon. And it's trying to take my daughter.
0: So I want to like this. I really want to like this. And I'm going to give it another chance. If it stays on, it may be canceled between now. That's Alfonso Herrera playing the priest, doing an excellent job. Very sympathetic priest. But um, eh, not so much. You know You know what I've been watching recently? I've been watching the X-Files. Uh, I was out of the country when the X-Files were on, so I saw them, but I didn't see a lot of them. I just would see them from time to time. That was like the perfect supernatural show. I mean, that show, it was so simple. Those two people had so much chemistry. You know, uh, Mulder and Scully, they had so much sexual chemistry. They were both really cool, really funny, and the stuff was genuinely scary. But networks basically cannot figure out how to scare people, and I think they're scared to scare people. Because when you make a show at a network, network like all the executives come down and they say oh well this you know people are liking this and we're getting this score on that and this guy and they keep jiggering it around and uh, it loses its punch so the exorcist i'm going to give it a wait and see all right we'll wait and see and we'll come back to it hopefully they'll do better and hopefully it gets scarier and more interesting as it goes along it's a good story the story they're telling is pretty cool but it just isn't scary enough all right what is scary debates this election this country down the drain see you later however tomorrow is the mailbag day get your questions in because i want to hear your questions and i want to hear stuff you like and we will answer them all and then all your questions will be answered i mean come on it's a full service podcast all right i'm andrew clavin this is the andrew clavin show we will see you again tomorrow